Welcome, everybody, to another episode of a Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. I am your main host, the Artificial Dragon. I'm your co-host, Darth Selene. And welcome to the 51st episode of a podcast, everybody. I just recently returned from my week-long vacation in Hawaii. A nice little time with family. Got to have Thanksgiving with my folks down in Phoenix before going off to Hawaii. So that was a lot of fun. I went to Vegas. (laughs) Of course. It was okay. It was okay. Yeah, Vegas is your usual vacation spot, isn't it? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't go to any uh, shows this time? No. No. What did you do over there? Just go to the casinos? No. (laughs) Uh, Do I look like I might go to casinos? You could. No. You could. To be specific, we were not on the strip like everybody thinks. We were in North Vegas. Okay, that makes sense. So that's a little bit of ways from all the glitz and glamour of Vegas, what everybody thinks. (laughs) You know, I see a lot of videos recently about a giant emoji. uh, The globe? Yeah, the globe. We saw that as we were coming in on the (laughs) freeway, and it's just like... That's what it looks like? What the fuck? You know, I see a lot of funny videos where it's just doing funny reactions to things like... That's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, that's where we went for our Thanksgiving. And it was... It was okay. Well... Not really interesting, but... At least it wasn't horrible. At least it wasn't horrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um... I know I'm getting off topic a little bit. When I was having Thanksgiving with my relatives in Phoenix, we always have this tradition where we do uh, bingo cards. Um, and whenever we get a bingo, we pick up a uh, lottery ticket that everybody, you know, um, puts in. Hmm, interesting. And I got myself five lottery tickets. Uh, most of most of them were just buzz, but I got $15 out of them. Nice. <laughs> so at least there was that. Sounds fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Of course... Hawaii, gotta spend a lot of time there. My mom owns a property there. I do not recommend <laughs> going on a fishing trip in the middle of a rainy day. <laughs> yeah, he showed us, the, he sent us the video and that looked like hell. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> on the bright side, I brought back Kona coffee for my uh, dad who really loves coffee. Alright, what is our Patreon art piece for this month? Indeed, Hannah. For so for all of our lovely Patreon contributors, um for this month, the last month of twenty twenty three, um Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. We have Sabe and Antronicos for both sides of a sex to enjoy. Very nice. <laughs> Sabi and, and Andronicos, that's pretty cool. And I know for a fact, Hannah really loves Andronicos. He was my first love interest when I first played Spator. So oh, yes. a very special place in my heart. It also helps that he's, he's more fucking voiced by uh, Stephen Bloom. Bloom himself, yeah. He's an amazing voice actor. Yeah, I'm I'm a dude. I'm straight, but uh, <laughs> yeah, his voice is really seductive in his yes, own way. Yes, it is. <laughs> Did you know that, uh, okay, so aside from Zeb from Rebels, do you know that uh, he voiced as Starscream in uh, Transformers Prime? The man has voiced over 500 characters. And he's it's also voiced. to keep track. He's also the main voice actor for uh, Wolverine. Oh. Yep. Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> I mean, he's been, he's played, he's done minor roles in Sator, he's mm-hmm. done you know, Andronicos. Yep. He, just, he does a lot. Oh, yes, and he does. He won a world record yeah. for voice acting. 
That's impressive. That is very impressive. And of course, you and I both know how much of a badass Sabe is. Yes, she is. <laughs> so yeah, everybody, enjoy the fan service. This is our gift to all of you filthy animals. Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas and have a happy new year. Or as the, if there's any Wookiees listening to the podcast, happy life day. <laughs> uh, personal and... Or, I guess, personal shout-outs. Support mm-hmm. my blog. Support her blog. And uh, let me go ahead and do the shout-outs for all of our smugglers that have been contributing to our podcast. Thank you, everybody, as per usual. All right, so for all of our wonderful smugglers, I'll give you all a quick shout-out. We have Y Wolves, Cameron Lee, Dr. Emboss, Gobos, uh, Tristan H., Irk the Turtle? Yeah, and Irk the Turtle. Thank you so much for supporting our content for the past year and beyond. Almost two years now. Almost two years, and just (laughs) looking forward to when uh, we reach 100 episodes, Hannah. Oh, God, that's a long way off. Don't don't get too excited. Well, okay, let's put the bar a little bit low, 75 episodes. That's more reasonable. <laughs> uh, but, well, while you were gone, we did reach 400 subscribers. So yes, we did. Thank you to all 400 of you. Thank you, as per usual. Looking forward to our <laughs> when we reach 500 subscribers. I do think we should do a special episode to celebrate our 500 subscribers, Anna. We did come up with the idea that we might do, potentially, this is just an idea, mm-hmm. doing a live stream of us watching... Christmas special. <laughs> the holiday special. The very infamous holiday special. I think it would be a good idea. It would be a good idea, but... Uh, but... Leave your feedback in the comments and let us know on the Discord and we'll see. It yeah. It would be a good community event. It would be. And also, like, uh, throw out some famous Star Wars bad fan fiction that we could read out that we'll, loud. We'll, that's another idea. We'll do a drunk <laughs> reading of bad Star Wars fan fiction. <laughs> Yeah, but not nothing too NSFW. <laughs> yeah, true. Gotta keep it somewhat family friendly. Yeah, just somewhat family friendly. But anyway, thank you everybody so much as per usual and looking forward to what this new year brings for us. Absolutely. And for you already shout out your blog, didn't yes, you? I did. Okay. Okay. Um with that out of the way, Hannah, what I'm pretty talking about today. So, it's a long time coming, Hannah, and this time, ironically enough, we will be doing one of the first of many Imperial-related topics-slash-characters. We will be talking about the myth, the man, the legend, Gelead Pelion. Yay! <laughs> for somebody who's a huge Fraun simp, I thought you would be more excited for him. No, not really. He's an old-ass man. It's just like, eh. Not to be my grandpa. Why? Well, I mean, like, uh, well, okay, that's fair, but I think Gilead Pelion is actually a pretty badass character. I know nothing about him. I told you I did not do research. So, <laughs> so, so you're I- going in this completely blind. Yes. So yeah. Um. So for a quick background, Gilead Pelion was introduced in the Heir of the Empire trilogy series, uh, the novel series, by uh, <laughs> the creator of Fraun himself, Timothy Zane. Timothy Zane. Yeah. And I, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, the, the Heir of the Empire trilogy came out 
at around 1994 or 5. So it was released like a while ago, alongside uh, well, yeah. <laughs> the Dark Empire series, yeah. <laughs> but let me go ahead and give What's you the a Dark Empire episode for that one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, how you react to uh, the rest of the Dark Empire two series. And three. <laughs> anyway, um, so let me give you a nice little quote from Gilead Pelion himself. Okay. It isn't the killing, you know. It's the beauty of battles that I love. The choreography and the challenge of executing everything just right. And the challenge of matching your wits against a capable opponent. I guess I carry a little more fraud within me than I'd like to believe. Well, it definitely fucking sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, Peleon is kind of a very interesting character. Like, he works for the bad guys, but as you will go further into his character, his history, he's... He could pass as a good guy. He's, at the very least, a morally gray character. Okay. He's kind of like a... I came to the conclusion that he's basically the Empire version of Darth Mar. Okay. So he is a very honorable, he's a very um, charismatic character. Okay. But yeah, let me go ahead and shut up about that and go <laughs> into uh, the, the very... Okay, so heads up for anybody who are huge Peleon fans. I'm not going to go through everything about Peleon's history like because... Like said before in many, 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 many episodes, uh -huh. this is the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, like uh, for, uh, it's been a while since I read his uh, Wikipedia page, but... uh. I believe his Legends article is like over 50 to 60 pages long. That's about as long as Padme's, isn't Yep, it? yep. Fucking Probably hell. even more. Jesus <laughs> So I'm obviously not going to go through the minuscule details of Peleon's life. I'm going through the broader strokes. The, <laughs> the important shit. Yeah, the more relevant shit. But anyway, um... So, Gilead Pelion is a famous military officer within both the Republic Navy and later the Empire Navy. Mm -hmm. um, he was born 500, uh, 51 years before the Battle of Yavin, and he is a native of Corellia, the very yes. reason why we're doing him in the first place. Yes. <laughs> and... He did remain on Corellia long enough to develop memories of it, though the young man spent a majority of his years on Coruscant itself. So he was born on Corellia. He wasn't exactly raised on Corellia for a majority of his life. Okay. But yeah, while he while it remained his home, Pelion never cared much for the towering skyscrapers of a galactic capital, as it was basically like, uh, you know how like most people despise their home? Like, oh, it's so boring. I want to go out there and make a life for myself. Yeah. That's basically what Pelion was like. He, uh, and the moment he found his opportunity to leave Coruscant, he was like, fuck yeah, fuck you, Coruscant, I'm out of here. <laughs> but yeah, like a majority of Pelion's life and his childhood is kind of unknown. We don't know too much about the guy when he was younger. Mm -hmm. But what, he, what we do know is that Pelion was eager to join the armed forces of the Republic, which at the time were the judicial forces. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't exactly a true military, but it was the closest that he could get anyway. Um, and he found his opportunity through the prestigious Renafel Academy. 
Um, he was like 15 at this time, which is like way below the standards of re- military recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, so how is he able to bypass this? He was able to, uh, a, um, he basically convinced a slicer to basically hack into his personal identification and change his birth date to make him look older than he actually is. Oh, just like how, I think by going a little off topic. Yeah, yeah. Pepe. Mm-hmm. He lied about his age to get into the army. Yeah, that's all. That's a common thing you always see in the military. I always hear about uh, a lot of common stories about uh, soldiers from World War II lying about their age to get into the army and all that. More power to you. Uh, how about no? <laughs> I am good right where I am. I, there was also a certain actor. I can't remember. I think it was like either Samuel Jackson or something like that. But he was in an interview with this... Uh, with his caster, and he was like 16, and the guy was like, how old are you? Are you old enough to act for us? And like a uh, secretary came in, and because he was all like, I'm 18, I promise, and and a secretary came in, and the casting director was like, how old do you think this young man is? And the secretary's like, 18. (laughs) Wow. And for the rest of his days, he's all like, if that secretary didn't come in and say I was 18, I would have never been here right now. That's funny. He never would have been Mace Windu. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I think it's really funny. Um, it's surprising how things change when you just lie your a- about your age a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he got into the academy. Um... Pelion, he never served with distinction in the academy. He was just your average cadet who just went through the classes, graduated. Um, I believe he graduated a respectable top third of his class with honors and therefore entered into the judicial forces as an ensign. Um, his first command assignment would be aboard an escort craft, protecting a convoy near the planet of Galvarion, where... Is infamous for a lot of pirate activity, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Pelion would be pounced on by a bunch of pirates, and Pelion would, you know, step up to the plate, and he commanded his ship to outrun the pirates. Um, and he commanded the craft to move to the planet's magnetic pole, which is like the uh, ice caps and everything. Okay. Um, his idea was to hide within these magnetic poles, which disrupt the sensors of the pirates long enough for Pelion's own ship to attack and destroy the pirate craft that were harassing them. Okay. So, you know, classic uh, hero start, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. His distinctive service, that sort of thing. Um, Pelion, for his efforts, would earn a rapid series of promotions for his quick thinking in the incident and received accommodations for fighting off of pirates, and would eventually be reassigned to participate in active service against many pirate threats throughout the galaxy. So, you know, young Pelion, he's making a name for himself, little by little. Mm-hmm. Um, Pelion, like many Corellians, had an eye for women. He was a huge womanizer in his younger days. <laughs> and he would have many casual relationships throughout his early career, which was highly frowned upon by his superiors, who kept, uh, you know, it was the only reason why he would never be promoted as an ad pro, because he was going around, you know, doing casual relationships like hey come to my room we're gonna have a lot of fun i'll introduce you to the birds and the bees <laughs> oh my God. 
He was a man whore. He was a man. Well, yeah, he was like the James Bond of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, I really need to watch some of the old James Bond movies one what of these got? days. <laughs> but yeah, um, the one relationship that Pelion did have was with a member of Republic Intelligence, a woman by the name of Helena Davis. Um, whom he had a huge fondness toward, to the point where they both kept their their relationship private, basically. Unlike the other ones where it's just casual, they had a legitimate, deep love for each other. Mm-hmm. And they would even go on several secret excursions together in his yacht and everything. They went on dates. They went on dates. <laughs> not like casual, uh, you know, you know that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, came the Clone Wars... Pelion would become a captain within the newly formed Republic Navy, and he would command the Acclimator-class assault ship called the Leveler. Um, while he was always curious about where the clones came from, he enjoyed their company. And I believe, so we'll eventually talk more about this when we explore the clones and everything, but the clones, even though they are sentient beings, we all know this from the Clone Wars series, um, a lot of, uh, people in the Republic Navy saw them for what they were. Just organic droids made for one thing and that is waging war. They saw them as tools, basically. Pelion, on the other hand, saw them as legitimate people and he treated them like such. Yeah, just like how the, the Jedi treated them. Yeah, one thing. You, yeah, one thing you gotta appreciate about the Jedi is that they actually treat the clones like actual people, not just living droids. Some of them. <laughs> yeah, Pong Krell. Yeah, being a prominent example. Yes. Um, but yeah, Pelion, he had a huge respect for the clones. They're professional soldiers, and they do their job pretty goddamn well. And he he would actually have nice conversations with. Uh, Captain Rex a couple of times. Okay. He would have a very casual relationship with him. Um, Pelion is also kind of a... Uh, he's a man that leads by example. And he he's not the kind who has access to luxuries. He has the same things as everybody else. From the lowliest cadet to the, to the highest gunner. He would always... He's, he's one of the boys, basically. Yeah, he's on the same level as his men. He's not above them. Yeah, like, he... In a similar vein to what Fraun did later down the line, mm-hmm. he would, uh... He keeps an eye out for people that distinguish themselves in the field and not just get in their position by nepotism or something like that. <laughs> Good old nepotism. Good old nepotism, and he actually had a couple of lieutenants that he absolutely despised because he believed they got their position for family connections. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of what you had to do. <laughs> but I get it. Yeah, very true. And yeah, there's this very interesting story where uh, Pelion actually uh, has inter- goes on a mission with uh, Captain Rex, the 501st, and Ahsoka Tano herself. And so, within several months of a Clone Wars, Pelion's ship would be equipped with, a, you know, new concussion missiles. And, you know, they do the usual thing, like go out on a maiden voyage to test it out, you know, the normal captain stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Captain Rex, along with elements of a 501st Legion, along with Ahsoka Tano, were assigned to the ship to escort it because they 
could be going into separatist space, that sort of thing. And there's this one scene where Pelion greets them in the hangar. And, you know, he's greeting Captain Regs, like, having a good time. And then he looks over to Ahsoka, knowing this, looking at this young Togruta girl wearing a tube top and a miniskirt. And he's like, that's not standard military uniform. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have you change out of your uniform and one of my cadets will provide you a proper military uniform. Hey, he had a point. <laughs> and Ahsoka obviously talked that and she's like, why do I need to do that? I, I obviously didn't need to do that on previous ships I've been on and Pelion was all like, well, number one, miss, you have too much exposed skin. <laughs> you could get yourself cut very easily. Or just be exposed to the vacuum of space. You need a uniform that covers, protects you from everything. Debris, the vacuum, that sort of thing. <laughs> and Ahsoka kept on, a, you know, pushing back a little bit. Yeah, just like a... Fuck you, let me wear what I want to wear. Just like a normal teenager would at a, <laughs> when, yes. when a uh, teacher tells him about the dress code and everything. Um, and, event- and eventually Ahsoka was all like... Well, uh, Captain Yularen doesn't complain about me wearing this uniform. And Apelion was all like, well, Captain Yularen isn't here now, isn't he? This is my ship and my oh, rules. Shit. And you will change into his uniform right now. And Sasoka just stood there for a moment, looking at Pelion, looking at the uniform a cadet has in front of her. And she's like, fine. <laughs> and as Ahsoka goes off with her metaphorical tail between her legs to change. Pelion makes a, uh, what was a casual joke he made? Uh, Pelion joked to Captain Rex of how lax Skywalker's command is by not telling his underlings to wear clothes. Almost as if they were going to battle on a cruiser liner. <laughs> and Captain Rex, he had to, uh, silence his helmet speakers because he just laughed to himself so loudly. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I just love those little interactions. And Pelion, he takes no shit from anybody. Doesn't look like it, especially <laughs> not Ahsoka. Yeah, especially to Ahsoka of all people. And later Ahsoka complains of a storm like, oh, these boots are so wobbly. <laughs> <laughs> How am I supposed to walk in this? And Pelion's like, you'll get used to it in due time. <laughs> Yeah, this sounds, this sounds pretty interesting. Not at all what I expected. Oh, yeah. Pelion is a cool guy. Um, Pelion, he... A majority of uh, Republic captains are like this. The, not the clone captains, but the normal human military officers, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. They have a same, similar opinion on the Jedi. Like, they are meant to be guardians of a Republic. They aren't meant to be military officers. Yeah, that's what the Jedi were for. <laughs> but the Senate decided no. They're 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 soldiers now. They're soldiers now, and having how old was Ahsoka at this point? Thirteen or fourteen at this point? I uh, whatever. Think thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, having a thirteen-year-old uh, young lady as a commander—that is just irresponsible by their perspective. Yeah, she was growing up in a war. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, eventually, like, uh, so. Roughly along the lines, Pelion gets a distress signal from his old love, that Republic agent from before. Mm-hmm. And he goes on a mission to basically extract her because she's going undercover for this. Uh, so 
the world that they're that she's undercover on its leading government is a dictatorship Mm -hmm. and it's allied with republic she was meant to work alongside with the dictator government Mm -hmm. but she finds this resistance movement being backed by the separatists and she finds this resistance movement to be legit democratic freedom fighters and she finds them much more what's the word i'm looking for popular compared to the dictatorship as she's currently working for yeah so yeah, um, Pelion, Ahsoka, the rest of the 501st had to extract her ass out of there. And she confided personally to Pelion that uh, she is tired of working for such a corrupt government. And she's planning to retire and go to parts unknown. And Pelion, he wanted to convince her to start a life with him in the future. Mm-hmm. But he had kind of size to himself and he knows that he can to talk such a woman out of that kind of decision and he's like all right it's your life but be careful out there okay and she's all like yeah sure Belion. um when i get my life together when everything is good i will contact you when that is done and Pelion's like okay that's cool yeah yeah, Pelion, even though he's a womanizer, he is really respectful for the ones that he actually loves. Yeah. I think they have a legit son together in the future. Well, I would think so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the Republic agent just fucks off for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pelion continues his service as a Republic captain within the uh, Grand Army of the Republic and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as, as all things go, regime change... Order 66 happens. Uh, the Republic becomes the Empire. Now he's part of a <laughs> Galactic Empire Navy. Yep. It's a relatively small change for Pelion. Because Pelion, even though he's kind of got loyalties to the Republic and now the Empire, it's more of a loyalty towards the the, uh, like the Navy. The yeah, towards the Navy rather than the government itself, if that makes any sense. That's very fair. Yeah. Pelion, he's not a bad guy. He's just works for the wrong side, if that makes any sense. A hero for the wrong side. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because he is a very honorable man. And he has a lot of respect for the Jedi. Aside from them being generals and commanders, he has a lot of respect for them and the clone troopers. He's such a very convoluted character. It's just that he got stuck with the Empire. Yeah. Okay. But he comes into his own because he's been like a captain for... How old was he when the Empire came around? Okay, that doesn't matter. I think he's like in his 20s or 30s by this time, by the way. Okay. Um, and uh, so with the turn of the Empire, he was reassigned to an Imperial-class Star Destroyer, uh, which is the ship you might be familiar with called the Chimera. Which would eventually be the flagship of Thrawn. Yep. The Chimera... Uh, okay, kind of going off topic, but... The Chimera's design in the new canon actually looks pretty badass. Let me see if I could pull it up real quickly yeah, for you. Yeah, I want to see what it looks like. Yeah. Um, it, it looks like a regular Star Destroyer, but at the very bottom, like under it... And on it why can I do not do words today? On its <laughs> underbelly, it has this really distinguished-looking design. It's so cool. Um... Oh, that is really cool. Yeah, the new canon Chimera looks so cool. Yeah, that's badass. <laughs> I do love how uh, 
it's got that classic serpent and what is it a spider creature there I have no clue. I want to get that tattooed on me. Oh, that would make a good tattoo. That would make a badass oh, yeah, tattoo. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, um, he was basically the what was it? The uh, the uh, executive officer. So basically, the second in command on the Chimera. Holy shit! Yeah, he wasn't the uh, he wasn't the captain of the Chimera. He was only second CEO. in command. But that's still. Pretty good, Pretty yeah. yeah. Especially after a big regime change. Yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, but unfortunately, even though he seems to be elevating position, he still could not attain that motherfucking golden slope of being an admiral yet. Mm-hmm. He's just... He's kind of like that, uh, that guy who... So, you know, a lot of bureaucratic bullshit because he's one of the boys. He's very popular with the men. But on the other side, he's not very popular with his superiors. Well, yeah. Because he respects the fuck out of his underlings. Everybody else, no, he's kind of a maverick in their eyes. Yeah, makes sense. Very Karelian of him, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're all assholes. Yeah, they're all assholes. We'll eventually talk about the Empire, but yeah, there's a lot of bureaucratic bullshit that goes on in the Empire. We could do a whole episode about all of the moths. Yeah. Especially yeah. the uh, more fucking Grand Admirals, Fraun included. <laughs> but yeah, um, for the next 20 years... Pelion would still serve as an executive officer for the Chimera mm-hmm. for a long-ass time. Yeah, that is a long-ass time. Yeah. Um, but despite all of the uh, abuse that he, does, that he had, all of the <laughs> lack of attempts to go up in rank, he would never mutiny once in his entire career. Damn. Yeah. Um, but yeah... Though he did have discontent for particular officers, particularly Darth Vader, the supreme commander of the entire empire. Okay, what was his opinion on Vader? So, uh, he, <laughs> he he had a uh, bad opinion on Darth Vader for basically executing officers for no reason at all. Or simple failures, basically. <laughs> He's all like, why the fuck are you doing that? Just give him a chance to redeem himself. That's just wasteful. Duh. (laughs) And of course, unnecessary expenditures like the multiple Death Stars. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, he he ironically enough had similar ideas to Fron before the two even met. That is pretty cool, though. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Like, one works for the Empire, but one was... He's, like, he's the hero. Yeah, he is. That's pretty cool. Yeah. As I said, Pelion is kind of a cool guy. I see now. (laughs) Regardless, his loyalty towards the Empire remained firm. Um, Like I said, he had more of a loyalty towards the fleet than the actual government because he saw the fleet as more of an extended family than anything he ever had on either Corellia or Coruscant. It's his entire life. True. Like, I do believe, like, a lot of uh, servicemen believe they have a sort of camaraderie with all the all the men and women they met in their service than they do with their actual family back home. Yeah, I've seen that before. I yeah. Mean, the term battle buddies exists for a reason. Battle brothers is also a good one, yeah. Forged, friendship forged in fire is also a good one. Yes. Yeah. Um, Tropes. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but he always expected a good amount of professionalism and pride, though he still maintains a lot of popularity for those under his command, because, you know, he's one of the boys, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, however, his life as a mere executive officer would soon change, come the Battle of Endor. Okay. He was one of the... F he... <laughs> Yeah, the Chimera, including Peleon himself, were present at the Battle of Endor. Okay. Yeah. Um, which was meant to... Obviously, it obviously was meant... Obviously, why... It, it's obvious why it wasn't there in the movie. Yeah. But... Yeah, it was like a one of many countless Star Destroyers, so who cares? Um, but anyway... Endor was meant to be the ultimate downfall of a rebel alliance, but of course we all know that didn't happen. <laughs> well, it became a bloodbath for both sides, especially with a super star destroyer, and Vader's flagship, the Executor, was crippled and brought down upon the Death Star. You'll have to watch uh, Return of a Jedi, but that I just have scene. to watch the original trilogy mm -hmm. fully. Yeah, it is such a chaotic battle. It's probably one of the best of the original trilogy, in all honesty. Um, but yeah, the Executor, the main command ship of the Battle of Endor, and the Chimera was meant to be the backup, basically. Mm -hmm. And once the Executor went out of commission... Um, so initially, command went to Pelion's immediate commanding officer, the captain of the Chimera. Mm -hmm. But I believe he got killed by a strafing run from okay. Rebels. And he, his commanding officer is dead and sends Pelion as the second in command. Of Wait, the, com okay, the command of the entirety of the Imperial forces at Endor placed upon his shoulders. Holy shit. Wait, world. Yeah, and it was not going well for the Empire right now. It was just a huge bloodbath over the place. The exec Vader's flagship crumbled, his officer got offed, and now he's in a command seat. And Pelion was just visibly sweating as everything was going sideways all yeah, around shit him. Shit was going sideways. Shit was going sideways. Um, let me see, uh... And eventually, even though it was going kind of sideways, but it truly went to shit when the, when the second Death Star was destroyed. Oh, fuck. It was just crippling for Pelion. He was all like, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and in this moment, uh, yeah, the entire Imperial fleet was thrown into immediate disarray and chaos, and Pelion Whoa. was trying to think of a way how to rally the troops, and he came to the only conclusion that he could possibly do realistically, mm -hmm. and ordered a full-scale retreat. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> like, in that situation, how the fuck are you able to grasp a victory out of a maws of defeat? No, that was a very bad loss. Yeah. Like, just like, okay, let's fucking go. Yeah, and Pelion ordered a retreat against the wishes of Grand Admiral Evesa Tusk, who was a higher-ranking officer, mm -hmm. but he's not the guy in command of the entire Imperial forces of Endor. Yeah. So he was all like, okay, fine, Pelion. Do your thing. I'm going to cover your escape. And Pelion got the fuck out of Dodge. Well, yeah. And Pelion, along with his, along with the remnants of the Empire Navy, mm -hmm. um, 
they basically met up at uh what was it uh okay they regrouped at a nearby sector and they they were kind of dis- the, the fleet commanders were like discussing what their next move should be mm-hmm. and Pelion was kind of all like okay we'll need to regroup we'll need to get other imperial navies uh if we regroup re-rally and you know get bit get better forces we could go back to endor and attempt a victory against the battle-weary rebels and the rest of the fleet officers were like you're no longer in command Pelion. you were in command over endor fuck this shit i'm out their reactions like okay fuck you bye yeah and all the all the fleet commanders just went to their own sections of the galaxy because they were all like every man for themselves <laughs> So that's how that war erupts. Yeah. Okay. And Apelion was just watching as the entire navy just fractured. And this was, you can imagine how devastating it was for a man like Pelion. Yeah. Like, he was, for the first time in his life, he was given command of a proper fleet, but in the midst of his greatest defeat. Yeah, Pelion was just... Oh. <laughs> yeah, Pelion was not having a good time, Hannah. No, it does not sound <laughs> like it. But yeah, um, Pel- what did Pelion do after this? Okay, um, so yeah, several admirals fucked off to their own corners of the galaxy, basically consolidating their own powers, becoming the Imperial Warlords that one of our fans loves to rant about. That's what he meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because after the death of Palpatine, every high-ranking Moth Admiral kind of consolidated their own sections of the galaxy, made their own factions, because they're all like, fuck you guys, I want to keep my own power instead of reunifying. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, you know, the power vacuum, you gotta fill that shit. Yes. But Pelion, he doesn't believe in consolidating power. He's, he's kind of like the guy, like, hey... We need to stay together. We need to keep the Empire together as it is. Mm. But his family, quote-unquote, is still fracturing more and more and more. And I think Pelion was just kind of aimless, commanding of a chimera across the galaxy. He's just a super depressed mode. Okay. <laughs> Depression era. Depression era. Um... Pelion would serve under several successors of Palpatine, such as Grand Vizier Sate Pestage and then Director of Imperial Intelligence, Yasin Assert. We'll talk about these characters later down the line, but it's not really relevant in this episode. Okay. The point is, he's trying to remain loyal to the legitimate power base of the Empire as much as he can. Mm-hmm. But all of those guys, you know, they got fucked off. Uh, the... You know, Coruscant gets invaded by the New Republic now, mm-hmm. and they don't have a power base anymore, so Pelion didn't have any other authority figures to follow. So, so yeah. Uh, running out of options. <laughs> yeah, he's really running out of options. But eventually, Pelion was just kind of doing his own thing, until eventually he gets a signal and from his command chair. And the signal was on a frequency that is used by only a couple of people. Palpatine and his inner circle. It's Thrawn, isn't it? And Pelion, he saw this frequency showing him 
to some coordinates near the unknown regions. And he he legitimately thought that Palpatine came back from the dead. And he's like, finally, he came back. (laughs) Didn't actually, uh, I mean, he's not far off, but Palpatine didn't rear his bony ass head until like six years later after this. True. So he went to two of the uh, designated coordinates where there was a shuttle. And Pelion was... The moment the shuttle came in, Pelion went on his knees to kneel before what he assumed to be the Emperor. Mm-hmm. But he looked up and he saw, you know, Grand Admiral Thrawn himself. I mean, heir to the Empire. Heir so. to the Empire, yeah. Um, Pelion personally didn't know about Thrawn, but Thrawn knew a good amount about Pelion. Because... One uh one so here's the thing, when Fraun heard about the the fragmentation of the Empire, mm-hmm. he went back personally and he was trying to find allies that he could rally to his cause. Mm-hmm. And he had heard about Pelion because I believe they had uh so Pelion went on his mission into the unknown regions to kill off a warlord that rebelled against them. Mm-hmm. And Fraun saw Pelion as a worthy ally. Because out of all the other Imperial officers that are kind of doing their own thing, Fron picked Pelion and the Chimera in particular. Because Pelion was kind of building up his own forces, kind of taking in new recruits. Because at around this time, uh, the Empire didn't have a, have a pool of cadets to draw upon. Mm-hmm. So Pelion was kind of forced to go to planets and forcibly take recruits to, with him. People. Yeah, you know, forced uh, conscription. That's what I meant. Yes. Um, by the way, Pelion was not too happy about doing that sort of thing. But, Probably not. But desperate measures, you know. Desperate times, desperate measures. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. But yeah, he's been training his new recruits to do as best as they can. And Fraun really admired the man. And he wanted him as his closest ally to rebuild the Empire as it properly was. That's cool. And of course, it is a very noble goal. And it's also very surprising that uh, Fron, out of all the other captains of the Imperial Navy, he chose Pelion because he is distinguished and a very humble man. He's a very good judge of character. He is a very good judge of character. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, Pelion is a... uh, Yeah, Fron is the Gigachad. And Pelion is just the chat in progress. <laughs> yes. But yeah, um, let me see. Uh, so yeah, we kind of know the rest. Uh, basically, Fron takes the Chimera as his flagship, kind of uh, reconverts Pelion's quarters into his own throne room, so to speak, mm-hmm. having his own trophies and everything like that. And he just took Pelion under his wing as his own personal protege. And at first, Pelion, he... he Okay, so Pelion isn't exactly racist, so to speak, but having an alien working in the Empire was kind of, no pun intended, alien for him. Yeah. But taking command from an alien that is higher in rank than, than you, that's... It's kind of similar to how he fought about the Jedi when he was in the Republic Navy. But he slowly but surely recognized the pure genius of Thrawn. Like, they would have a a lot of these discussions about art. And Pelion, some of it would go over his head. But slowly but surely, he would understand the ingenuity behind 
just, uh, you know, uh, learning about a culture mm -hmm. and learning about the backgrounds of a lot of these significant characters, that sort of thing. And Apelion, he, like, I need to read the Hair of the Empire series, Air. but Hair of the Empire, but they have a lot of these genuine. Uh, smart conversations. Like, Fron would provide Pelion a question, and Pelion would do the best he could, and then Fron would indulge him, and Pelion's like, oh, that actually makes sense, Fron. An actual intelligent conversation. Yeah, the, they're both men of culture, Hannah. <laughs> now you see why. That is why I think Thrawn is attractive. Yeah. It's that kind of mentality, that way of thinking. It's just like, yes, please. <laughs> God damn, how how good of a conversation would Fron have with motherfucking Count Dooku? Probably an amazing one. Oh yeah. It's that kind of intelligence that just is just that. That's what makes me like these kind of characters. Yeah, and Pelion, he's kind of getting there, but. That, this is why uh, Pelion is such a good character. He takes after Fron a good amount. Yeah, I see why. Yeah, um, but let me see what else. Uh, yeah, obviously Pelion considered Fron to be the greatest tactician and strategist the Empire ever had. Duh. Yeah, though despite this, he would unfortunately be witness to fate turning yet again during the Battle of Belbringi, where Fron would be murdered by his own Nagori assassin. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, and... See the Thrawn episode. Yeah, and Pelion once again, repeat Battle of Endor. He's in this Ultimate situation twice. Fail. Ultimate fail. And Pelion was all like, oh shit, Fron is dead. I gotta retreat. Crap. <laughs> yeah, Pelion is kind of a uh, more fucking punching bag of the Star Wars universe. God damn, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, once again, how is he supposed to grasp victory from the maws of defeat? <laughs> But anyway, yeah, he retreats again. Uh, Pelion at first wanted to go down in a blaze of glory. Something that he considered Fron would have wanted him to do. Like, take the Chimera and the remnants of his fleet into the edge of the Unknown Regions and go down in a blaze of glory against the New Republic. Mm -hmm. But he kind of self-rationalized and he thinks, okay, I can... Build upon these experiences. I could build upon these failures and do the best I can right now. And he came to the realization: I can't keep sticking with a power base of the current empire that is basically nothing but dust right now. Fron, he was our last best chance, mm -hmm. and he decided to do the one thing he never considered doing, and he just he. Joined one of the warlords. <laughs> Specifically, <Give up! laughs> oh man, surrender. Okay, here's okay. I, I kind of overlooked this, but Pelion started to realize how valuable he was because not only was he Fron, was he Fron's second in command. It made him a very valuable position as he was kind of a kingmaker, if you will, mm -hmm. because he was 
under the direct toolage of such a legendary Imperial commander. But he d- he saw this destiny before him, and he's all like, okay, uh, I could I could still be very valuable to any other warlords. As long as myself and those under my command don't get destroyed, I have to join one of the warlords for my survival and those underneath me. Okay. So he kind of chose the honorable option and kind of sold out his service to one of the warlords. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he... It's not really relevant. Uh, he sold himself out to the current strongest warlord. In this case, would be uh, Troughton Tredarak of a Crimson Command, who saw his worth and actually promoted Pelion from captain to vice admiral. Along with his own fleet of red-colored Victory-class Star Destroyers. So in this instance, Pelion actually got his promotion. Okay. Yeah. Finally. Though Pelion always found himself fighting against the fleets of rival warlords than the New Republic itself. So he's kind of in this very awkward position. Like, he's kind of forced to just fight other brothers and sisters for for the glory of another warlord that he has no respect over. Yes. Instead of fight, taking the fight to the New Republic, the proper enemy of the Empire, just squabbling. Yeah, it's like, we're not fighting the enemy, we're just infighting. Yeah, and that's something that uh, Pelion was not down for, in the very least. Very Corellian of him. (laughs) Though, his fortunes would soon turn when another Imperial officer would emerge into a wider galaxy. In this case, I'll send you a picture of him. Um, It would be a certain protege of another infamous uh, Imperial officer. Moth. And that person is. Don't I have her picture? Yes, I do. Uh, Admiral Dalla. Natasha Dalla. And she is the protege of Tarkin himself. Oh, okay. Yep. We need to cover Tarkin one of these days. Yeah, Tarkin is such a fascinating character. He's an asshole, but he's fascinating. I have really no opinion because I haven't seen that arc of the Clone Wars (laughs) or watched the original trilogy. So it's just like... Yeah, he's an absolute asshole in the Clone Wars, but he is such a fascinating (laughs) character. I will say this for a lot of characters, but Star Wars has a lot of good characters. Yes, they do. But yeah. This is what happens when you write shit well. (laughs) Yeah, Natasha Dalla. So Natasha Dalla is basically... Female Fraun, not female Fraun, female Tarkin. She is his personal protege. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Natasha Dalla was kind of out of the picture for a good amount of the time because she was under, she commanded a secret base. I f- what was it? Uh, she was basically part of a fleet that held the, uh, the Sun Crusher before it got stolen from her. <laughs> <laughs> Flashback to the Super Weapons episode. <laughs> yeah, and after that little incident, Natasha Dalla decided to take her fleet into the wider galaxy. And similar in reaction to Fraun, she's like, What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck is this? <laughs> Just walking into the room on fire. Yeah, with the pizzas. What? She's like, what, did, what the fuck happened while I was gone? <laughs> and Natasha Dalla... 
Um, she went on another quest, just like Fraun before her, to reunify the Empire. And she would come across, uh, Gilead Pelion himself. And Pelion also wanted to try reunifying the Empire. And he found a potential ally in Natasha Dalla. Now, granted, she's not as much of a, uh, charismatic leader like Fraun is. Mm -hmm. She is just as ruthless as Tarkin. Oh, shit. And, uh, they kind of like, uh, you know, talked amongst themselves like, hey, Natasha Dalla, we still have a bunch of warlords. Should we uh, do something about them? And Natasha Dalla, com she basically, uh, uh, so Natasha Dalla, here's what she did. She basically organized a meeting between all of the prominent warlords to this space station to negotiate a reunification. <laughs> Vomit. So, okay, it's not quite, bit. not quite that. It's much more brutal than that. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, she gathered all of these warlords, and uh, let me see if I could, uh, okay. Um, so, she invited all 13 warlords to this summit. When the meeting began, one of the attendants, a man by the name of Superior General, um, Delvardis attempted to just walk out of the room because uh, he's all like, I don't want to talk to the rest of these assholes. Fuck you. Mm -hmm. And Natasha Dalla just closed the room and locked it. And she's all like, we, none of you are walking out of here until we reach an agreement. Which one of you pick one among you that will properly lead the Empire? Oh, shit. And uh, she, she, she basically gave him a time limit for three hours. And what do you think happened to all those warlords? They all killed themselves or something? All the warlords basically squabbled like, No, I make a better leader than you. No, I make a better leader than you. Of <laughs> they were just squabbling. And Peleon was like, Calm down, people. Let's talk about this <laughs> very civil-like. But after a certain amount of time went by, Natasha Dalo was like, yeah, we're not going anywhere with this. Um, and she put on a gas mask. And Pel oh! and she also handed Pelion a gas mask. And she just gassed the entire room, killing all of the warlords in there. Jesus. Yeah, there's actually a picture of this thing. It's so motherfucking brutal. Natasha Dahl is kind of a alpha bitch. Yeah, I've, yeah, that's just proper war crimes on the mass. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, she does definitely look like she takes no shit, so... Yeah, and Pelion was just shocked. He's like, oh my god, I didn't want this to happen. <laughs> well, you gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. And, uh, you know, with all the 13 warlords out of the picture, Natasha Dalla, along with uh, Pelion, managed to kind of reunify the Empire under what is called the Imperial Remnant. And for their next step... Natasha Dalla wanted to go out and... Okay, so they can't exactly fight against the New Republic just yet. And at this point, uh, Luke Skywalker's New Jedi Order is starting... You know, it's starting to grow in numbers slowly. Mm -hmm. And they have their academy at Yavin 4. Mm -hmm. And Natasha Dalla is like, okay, we need to give a Jedi out of a picture. Because they are a factor that will screw us over. 
Which is a very smart idea, considering how many times Jedi like to turn the tables on people. Yes, very true. So, she, along with her entire fleet, went to Yavin 4 to invade the fuck out of it. Mm -hmm. But, once again, you can't predict Jedi bullshit. What happened? So, to make a long story short, there was this one named Jedi who, with a concentrated power of his fellow students... He did a force push so powerful it pushed the fleet out of the Yavin 4 system. Like I said, you can't predict Jedi bullshit. <laughs> and Peleon was commanding this fleet, and he's like, What the fuck? <laughs> God damn. And Natasha Dalla, she she just surrendered to the Jedi. And <laughs> like yeah, that's she was, how you know you're fucked. fortunately, Natasha, I believe Natasha Dala managed to give a fuck out of Dodge, and Pelion and his fleet managed to get into the Yavin system to recover the assets that they could. Mm -hmm. And Pelion found Natasha Dala's escape pod, and Pelion was like, "What is your command, Admiral?" And Admiral Dala was like, "I was never, even though we got to where where we are right now." I will not be able to lead the Empire into a new age. And she turned to Pelion. And she's like, Pelion, you are a much more reasonable and compassionate man than I ever was. I pronounce you as the de facto leader of the Imperial Remnant. Oof. And Pelion became essentially the supreme commander of the entire Imperial Navy. God damn. Yeah. Pretty cool promotion. It is a pretty cool promotion. Even though he suffered three defeats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Pelion, uh, he's getting the promotions, but he's not getting good victories. No. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Pelion... Uh, so, even though Pelion was basically the de facto leader of the Empire at this point, mm -hmm. um, there was still, like, a uh, legislative body, which is the... The Council of Moths, who basically dictate the the everyday activities of the Empire at that point in time. But ultimately, Pelion is he's basically the Emperor in all but name at this point. Yeah, but he's actually a decent guy. He is a decent guy. Like I said, this is why I say he's basically the Empire's Darth Mar. I see that now. Holy shit. Yeah, and Pelion, he's... So he is an able he's able to good do a good amount of victories and he was able to find a new capital for the empire of his world called Bastion a very appropriate name. Okay. Yeah, don't worry. It's not uh something that you see in Swator or anything like that. But basically it's a heavily armed world. You know, like a Bastion. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's literally called Bastion, and it's very self-explanatory. Very original. But anyway, um, so he was able to make a foothold in the majority of the Outer Rim. Uh, even though he doesn't have, you know, the inner core, a majority of the valuable stuff that the original Empire had, he still made a good foothold. And Pelion, with the, with the uh, teachings he learned from Fraun, he actually... So... He kind of reorganized the Imperial military to accept aliens amongst their ranks. 
So he's very progressive in that regard. Mm -hmm. And after several more years trying to claim a victory against the New Republic, Pelion came to the realization that many of his compatriots didn't. We should sue for peace. Okay. Because uh, he was kind of suffering defeat after defeat, and his fleet was just being crumbled down to such a minuscule number that if they continue like this, they would find no victory, and it would be the ultimate end of the Empire. Mm -hmm. So he gave in, and he signed peace with a new Republic. And the Empire would just keep its territory in the Outer Rim, while the New Republic had its own territory of a deep core and all that. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, even though he didn't have his glorious victory, he was still able to essentially save the Empire from the jaws of defeat. And survive. And survive, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, let me see, uh... So yeah, after 19 years, the Galactic Civil War finally came to an end. Damn. <laughs> yeah, um, despite this new peace between both factions, Pelion would face an entirely new enemy, which is our good old friends, the Yuzhang Vong. Oh, no. <laughs> At first, uh, I so the Council of Moths wanted to remain neutral in the war against the Yuzhang Vong. Like, oh shit, the, the New Republic. Their reaction to the Yuzhang Vong fucking up the New Republic is basically, oh no, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but Pelion, you know, he's he's got a good head on his shoulders. And he realizes that if the Yuzhang Vong destroys the New Republic, they the entire galaxy would not have a future. So he kind of went behind the backs of a Moth Council and uh, contributed some of his forces to the New Republic to help them fight back against the Yuzhang Vong. Okay. But it was only for a limited amount of time until the Council of Moths basically recalled him back to Bastion and everything. Mm -hmm. But Pelion was... So at around this period, Pelion would gain a new admiration for Luke Skywalker and the Skywalker and uh, Solo family and in general. Mm -hmm. Because it, kind of an interesting uh, relationship between him and Han Solo. He saw Han Solo as a very maverick, off of the books kind of commander. But he appreciated well, duh, his... Yeah, he appreciated his unpredictable nature. And there was this one nice conversation where Luke Skywalker basically said to Pelion, May the Force be with you. And Pelion was all like, Never in a thousand lifetimes would I hear those words said to me again. Wow. Yeah, he had a newfound respect for the Jedi. He got to see the fall and the rise. Like, so, Republic fall, Empire mm -hmm. rise. Mm -hmm. Empire fall, Republic rise. Yep. And the rise of the Jedi again. Yep. Like, holy shit, that's a lot. I think he's like in his 60s at this point. Holy shit. Yeah, he's a old ass man. By the way, he gained the rank of Grand Admiral at around this point. Hey. Also, his uh, uniform looks so cool. Let me go ahead and uh, send it off to you. Uh, yeah, he's just got that nice white uniform with the... Uh, what is What are those things on his shoulders? I forget what they're called. I... Don't know, but that looks pretty cool. Yeah, he looks pretty cool. He's such a motherfucking badass. Um, also, there's this one story where he fought a 
fleet of... So, I think he was ambushed by a Yujing Vong scout ship. Mm -hmm. And he was in such critical condition that they basically needed to put him in a Bacta tank. Mm -hmm. And he had... He remained conscious throughout the entire process, and he was commanding his fleet from his back to tank. Wow. Yeah, he's a motherfucking giga chad. <laughs> like, have you pure heard... Determination. Pure determination. Have you ever heard of that story of that uh, Russian surgeon who basically had to operate on himself? No. Yeah, he was basically like that. Jesus. Obviously, if a surgeon couldn't work on himself, mm -hmm. he had a, uh, a uh, assistant do it. But he's like, no, 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 no. You need to pull through my liver over here and go through my heart there. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, those kinds of people are kind of crazy, but badass. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually, um, so the Imperial Remnant and the New Republic, they kind of reunify, becoming this coalition force called the Galactic Alliance. And okay. eventually, they would fight back the Yuzhen Vong, and Pelion was one of the major components that went to Coruscant and finally beat back the invaders and retake Coruscant from them. Nice. So yeah, Pelion finally getting his ultimate victory. Yay! <laughs> Not the way he foresaw many years ago, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the end, um, as a gift of his friendship towards the Solos, Pelion would hand over a painting called the Killick Twilight, an old Iranian painting Fraun had taken 20 years earlier. Oh, shit. So that's his token of friendship towards, uh, you know, Leia and Han Solo. Nice. Yeah. Um, eventually, he would retire from his service in the Imperial Navy. Yep, fuck this shit. I'm yeah. this. And he would allow his ship, the Chimera, to be given to his old friend, Dala, who was still kicking around at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. We'll have to explore Dala again one of these days, because she has a very colorful life in the universe of Star Wars. I'm sure. Like, she became, she was the protege of uh, Tarkin, and then she became the head of state of a Galactic Alliance. Okay. Yeah, she's got, she's led a very colorful life. Wow. <laughs> During his retirement, Pelion would find a hobby with gardening. Something to relax with. Yeah, and it was one of his favorite pastimes. Here is his one quote that I think really explains his personality and philosophy in a nutshell. I think one you would appreciate. Okay. Every ruler should have a garden. It's always useful to draw lessons from nature. From a garden, one learns to cull the weak and unfit, and to encourage the strong and the vigorous. An inferior bud soon feels the strength of my pinch. Each receives its proper ailment of space and sunlight, and no more. It's fair, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. However, that would not be the end of Pelion's story, unfortunately. Oh my god! <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. We're at the end here. So... Eventually, uh, Pelion would come out of retirement numerous times. Jesus Christ. And one of these would be a, a couple of crises, but the big one was when, uh, the son, okay, the, the, the second son of Leia, no, it was the first son, sorry. The, the first son of Leia and Han Solo, 
uh, Jason Solo, who's basically the Legends version of uh, Kylo. Kylo Ren. Um, he would turn to the dark side and become the head of state of the, <laughs> the Galactic Alliance. Okay. And Jason Solo wanted to gain the allegiance of the Imperial Remnant, and the Council of Moths were all for it. Um, sure. But Pelion, here's a really funny thing. Um, there was like a note sent to uh, Pelion by by a uh, uh So, okay, Jason was called Darth Cadus at this mm-hmm. time, by the way. Um, Cadus would send Pelion a note asking him to join his cause, and basically Pelion looked at the note. He's like a, he's like ninety at this point, mm-hmm. by the way. He's a very old man. He just looked at the note, crumbled it up. Gave it to the messenger, and he's like, send this back to your master as it is. Makes sense. Yeah, he's got, yeah, I said this numerous times, he's a badass. <laughs> he takes <laughs> shit from nobody. No. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm yeah. too old for this shit. Yeah. Um, eventually, though, um, he would be held at gunpoint by this, uh, it's his character that's not really relevant in the story, but it's a Jedi that joined the Jason Solo's side because for personal reasons, that sort of okay. thing. And this individual, she fought alongside uh, Pelion during the Yuzhen Vong War, and she's basically pleading Pelion to join Jason's side because it's the right thing to do, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And Pelion was all like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so basically... He was just in his personal chambers, and the Jedi was just holding her gun at him. And he had, he had this personal communicator, and she's like, "Order the Imperial Remnant to join the uh, the rest of it to join the Galactic Alliance. The Council of Moths has already joined, but you are popular amongst the Empire. Your voice sways them." And Pelion just looks at her, and picks up the comlink. Let me see what he's okay. Um. His last act, instead of bending the knee, he announced over the comms for the Imperial Remnant to basically fight Jason Solo. And he would be killed for his efforts. Goodbye, soldier. Yeah, he was held at literal gunpoint. And he's all like, fuck you, I don't care. Definitely Corellian until the end. Pretty much, yeah. Pelion's last acts were not completely in vain, as the traitorous moths that wanted to join Jason were killed by Dala, that uh, good old friend of his, mm-hmm. and uh, who found Pelion's body and placed it in a proper burial on Corellia. Nice. And later, that, uh, that Jedi that murdered uh, Pelion, she would be placed on trial and sent off uh, for a life sentence, I believe. Because she, because Pelion was beloved by both the uh, Galactic Alliance and the Empire. Makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, let me see. Um, in the fleet of a new Galactic Empire, he would even, uh, so there's his new Star Destroyer. It would be named after him. Nice. He is so popular that they decide to christen a ship after him. It's so cool. Nice. <laughs> and, um... And his love of gardening would also pre- be preserved in the future empire, as there was this site on Bastion called the Pelion Gardens, which would be a uh, frequent meditation spot for the future emperor of the empire. Cool. Yeah, and that is the end of Pelion's story, Anna.
So, any thoughts? He is really cool. He is such a cool character. That's some good writing there. Yeah. I mean, he's not as bombastic or... Well, I wouldn't say tragic, but he doesn't have the bombacity as characters like Grievous, Ventress, Dooku. But he's just a nice, humble officer of the Imperial Navy. Yes, that's what I like about him. Yeah, he's so cool. Um, Yeah, he... He was reintroduced in the new canon of Star Wars. Uh, he appears briefly in the Mandalorian show. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do with his character in the future, but it would be nice to see what Disney goes in the direction with Pelion. Who knows at this point? Yeah, but yes. Um, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, uh, Pelion was briefly mentioned in Rebels, but of course didn't make an appearance in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Pelion is... Uh, yeah, I will talk until the end of time about Pelion. He is such a cool character. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that is our episode of Can Manny's Kill a Jedi? Or in this case, oh my god, how is the Chimera floating with those big-ass balls of steel? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> All right, you want to know what the next episode is, Hannah? Please. Tell me. All right. So, nice little return to form with characters. Now it is time to return to a certain alien race, which I'm really excited about, and I'm sure you're excited to know more about. In this case, we will be talking about the noble, the savage, Kalish. Oh, cool. Yeah, we'll be talking about the race of Grievous. Nice. That's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, because you were... Uh, you encountered a uh, Kalish warlord, didn't you? In oh, your campaign, yes. yeah. <laughs> should I tell that now, or should I tell that during the you will, episode? You will talk about it in the next episode, because we will be talking a good amount about him, too. Holy shit, wait <laughs> until you guys hear about this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, thank you guys once again for enjoying the content of, uh, of us Talking and reacting to the deep lore that is Star Wars, both Legends and Canon. I'm so happy that you guys enjoy us talking about all of this in my little apartment. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to the future episodes we have in store for uh, 2024, Hannah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I can't believe this has been going on this long. Oh, yes. But anyway, before I uh, prattle on anymore... I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday and not quite Merry Christmas yet, but happy holidays. Happy holidays. May the Schwartz be with you. This is the way. This is the way. Bye-bye. Bye.